Boag World is produced by the web design agency headscape.co.uk. It's brought to you by Shopify, an e-commerce solution made by designers for designers. For more information, visit shopify.com forward slash Boag World. It's also brought to you in association with WebVanter, the designer-friendly content management system that supports structured content with no back-end coding, while making it easy for your clients to add content. For more information, visit webvanter.com forward slash Boagworld. On this week's show, Paul looks at how to better communicate, and we ask whether you should use email masking to avoid spam. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, Paul. How are you? Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul and Marcus. Hello, and welcome to the first ever BoagWorld.com podcast. Boag World. Hello, and welcome to the 100th episode of the 187th episode of BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul Boag. And my name is Marcus Lillington. And I'm very scared by our new audio setup. I make one throwaway comment last week about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be able to use my laptop and speak in the microphone? And next thing I know, we've got these huge stands on our desks that I hang microphones through that's the That's not what you said. What did I say? What you said is, I want a hangy down microphone. Yeah. In exactly those that tone. But, but let's so, be fair about it. I thought, oh, so do I. Yes, <laughs> let's be fair about it. It's not like I normally get the things I ask for, and now I'm intimidated by it. It's big. And I didn't ask for these blooming, scary, giant, flipping pop shield things that yes. seem to be, that actually make it impossible for me to see the screen anyway, because <laughs> they're so massive. Yeah, but the thing is, We've been having lots of popping issues. Have we? Yes. Have we been popping? Yes. Peter Piper picked a pick so a peckle We're okay peckles. now. Because you've got a bit of ladies' tights in front of you. No, the, the, these are very expensive, <laughs> high-quality thingy-bobs. No, I think they cost about a tenner. Did they? But yeah. Oh, you know, it's a lot of money for a lady's tights. <laughs> so how are you? Uh, I'm a bit tired. I've had a bit of a weekend, actually. No, you, every, this is really funny. Every week you say exactly the same words come out of your mouth. I'm a bit tired. I've had a bit of a weekend. How old are you now? Uh, 24. Well, at my <laughs> old age of 24, you shouldn't be out partying every night. You should oh, be was, sitting at home with Coco. Well, one was, I went, there was a, our cricket club's dinner dance. We're both having to peer around this yes. bloody massive I, I don't shield. actually have to peer around. I can just talk. <laughs> I can hear you through the headphones as well. Uh, I have the double advantage. Yes, but eye contact maybe. is considered polite. Yes, it is. So I had, yes, this is an issue. We have to sort this out. It's like <laughs> Hello, hiding Marcus. behind the, uh, <laughs> the ridiculous, um, whatever they are, bits, well, ladies' tights. Um, yeah, cricket club dinner dance. So that was... Dancing and drinking, drinking and always, in black tie, very always, posh. Yeah, just posh drinking. Yes, it's no different to being a student, except you're wearing a bow tie. Yes, uh, fair enough. Nice posh food as well. But what ruined it for me on the why I'm feeling a bit slightly jaded is because I then went away golfing with yeah. with golfing How friends. How dull. Well, there you go. So um, we're disappointing our listeners this week, those that followed us on Twitter, because we promised them clear left. 
Hi, Andy. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, Hi, Rich. Uh, well, and, and uh, where? why aren't they here? Because they don't love us. Oh, no, no, come on. Let's pick on Andy properly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. We blame and him. We can blame him next week when he's on. Yes. So we've delayed it by a week, but we're still going to do it. It's going to happen. Which actually gives you a chance, if you if you hadn't um, seen uh, what I posted on Twitter, um, you've got a whole extra week to submit questions now. So if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on the show... Um, then pop along to the show notes and leave a comment um, and we'll include them in the show which would be cool so yeah little bit of housekeeping there sorry about that it's all Andy Bud's fault <laughs> just to make that entirely clear should we move on to the news let's move on to the news that's a good idea so I'm picking up a theme this week in the news well not we've kind of condensed it all down into one news story but there's loads of posts about really busy really stressed life is too hectic i need productivity tools to make me more efficient as a web designer really is 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 life as a web designer? you know i mentioned golf earlier yeah and you yawned yeah productivity tools come on well, just because you faff around the whole time. <laughs> but as web designers... Productivity tools. As web designers, we are immensely busy. Yes. While you, as a salesman, sit around on your arse all day. I'm not rising to it. Go on, you don't. No, really. no, Go no, on. no, Go no, on. no, no. Go on. You yourself say that we've put Chris and I, in particular, have basically mollycoddled you over the years <laughs> to allow you... <laughs> Just do what you want whenever you want to. Okay, so perhaps I shouldn't have said the word we in there. But web designers, look at our hard-working web designers. Look how stressed they all look. Oh, okay. Yeah, carry on talking. (laughs) So anyway, for whatever reason, there are loads of posts up about... um, I mean, you've got to say, being a web designer is quite an intense job because we have to relearn everything every five minutes and it's it's so fast-moving. So... It's quite an intense job one way or the other, and it's hard to keep pace with all the change. But um, there are actually a load of articles that seem to be appearing. In fact, I didn't get them all. There was another one by um, Derek Featherstone that I only noticed after um, I wrote the news this week. Uh, Just going on about, you know, how to kind of take more control of our time and, to you know, time-saving tips and that kind of stuff. So there's a site point article called How to Take Control of Your Time that provides some excellent advice okay. about prioritizing and the need um, to leave adequate time for stuff and the ability to say no, um, which I think... You're very good at that. I'm excellent at saying no. Yeah, everyone Even though moans I d- and moans and moans about it. <laughs> and I just say, well, I, I do give them little tips about how to make you do things. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is, there's a grain of truth in that statement you just said there, isn't it? That Maybe. <laughs> I bet people do moan behind my back, but I'm fine with it. I think it's quite important to say no. Yeah. No, Best I'm far too busy. Look at my calendar. I filled it in all over these weeks, and I'm going to be, I don't know, thinking about colour next Wednesday afternoon. You are an arse. <laughs> you are an absolute arse. So anyway, it's a, that's a one Notice of he didn't deny it. <laughs> That is one of the tips, actually, in one of these posts. I think it's that one, actually, which says, um, in your calendar, make sure you block out time. Yes, I'm blocked out, so I, I'm busy. Sorry. Well, I am. Look, Can't right, possibly I just am, move things around. I am opening my calendar right now, right? Today, 
podcasting tomorrow nothing so day after all day this isn't You're reflecting on. well on me actually no, just saying i've got days of nothing i am doing work but there's <laughs> nothing that's unmovable um thursday nothing that's unmovable friday did you notice i've got a day's holiday how he tried to wind me up over this and <laughs> is now completely wound up <laughs> <laughs> i did that <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, there's also a smashing magazine post, he says, coming back to the point. Yes. Um, entitled so tw- what kind of tips do they say, apart from block out your day and say no? Oh, I can't remember, busy. actually. Let me have a look. Okay. Let's see if I can find it. This is the ability, yeah, having it in front of you, see, you can you can get it. I probably won't be able to find it. Um, I can't find it. They say <laughs> stuff. Stuff. Stuff, you know, about things. No, it's all stuff about, um, you know, being willing to say no, which I said. Um, there's leaving adequate time for your projects and also the importance of prioritising was the other big thing that they talk about quite a lot. Problem is with leaving adequate time for your projects is it depends what kind of person you are, doesn't it? If you're a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday evening homework kind of person. Then like ha- what you are. Like what I am. Um, then having three weeks to do your project makes no difference whatsoever. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I'm making the presumption. Sorry, am I in an argumentative mood today? No, I'm just, uh, yes, <laughs> you are. Go away, and we might be able to get through the news. Okay. Smashing Magazine was the other one that I wanted to mention, which has got their own post entitled 20 Time-Saving Tips to Improve a Designer's Workflow, which basically introduces ways to customise your working environment and to better work with tools like Photoshop, And speaking of Photoshop, there's also a great cheat sheet that's been released that contains all the keyboard shortcuts that you're going to need in order to improve your workflow in Photoshop. Um, And then if you combine that with the IE6 cheat sheet that's also out, which solves some of the common IE6 bugs, you'll find yourself saving considerable time. So there's loads of these little kind of productivity posts around. Um, I really believe that the answer to overload is not just to work longer hours, it's to work smarter and that's what these posts are all about. Next up, 15 common e-commerce mistakes. Um, I love working on e-commerce sites. I think they're my favorite type of site. Mm. Um, and that, the reason is that you get to see obvious returns on your work because there are obvious calls to action. Conversion either increases or decreases. Profits either rise or fall. And there's no doubt about whether you're making a difference or not. Um, however, the other reason I love working on e-commerce sites is because um, so many of them are absolutely <laughs> terrible. Well, yes. <laughs> um, often when you start working on an e-commerce site, there's loads of quick wins that you can do, which instantly make a difference to revenue and make you feel clever, like you know what you're doing, which is really great. Um, and people make the same mistakes again and again. Uh, in fact, these mistakes are made so often and are so predictable that you could write a top 10 post about them. And in fact, that's exactly what Smashing Magazine have done. I'm quite disappointed it wasn't you. It's the kind of thing I would write, but I didn't. Mm. Damn. Didn't get in there. Can't, didn't think you can't it. think of everything first. No, no. 15 common mistakes in e-commerce design and how to avoid them. Nice snappy title. I'm discovering that longer titles actually work better. Very bizarre. Counterintuitive. That. Work better in... Tend to get more click-throughs. Weird. But okay. there you go. I suppose they're more descriptive. Perhaps that's more it. More likely to be more descriptive. Yeah. Anyway. And you can fit more of those keywords like yeah. top 15 and and how to avoid them. You know, it's like a positive act. Ten cardinal thing. sins or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, some of my personal f- <laughs> favourites from this blog post include hiding contact information, which is a common uh, mistake, mm-hmm. long-winded checkout processes, yes. poor customers... Continue, continue, yeah. continue. Poor customer service, mm-hmm. which is my particular bugbear at the moment. I won't go into why, because otherwise this show will turn into an hour and a half ranting. I'll tell you what, I'll give you five minutes to rant about it. BT. Yeah, carry I've, on. I've finished. BT, broadband <laughs> connections, dodgy lines. No, not my problem, boss. Bastards, <laughs> bastards, bastards. <laughs> In fact, that's just one of many things I feel like complaining about. Sky would be another one that's right up there. Why? What's wrong with Sky? Fortunately, my next door neighbour... Apart from the fact that they sell off things that I paid for and continue, and, and continue my... Uh, fee the same every month when I when I was getting more for my money two, three years ago than right. I am now which is that's that's irritating but yeah. some of it's coming back because uh, certain sports channels are, are going bankrupt Did you watch the um, the the one online? You know there was an English qualifier I'm not a big match. football fan I'm oh, a bit, no. so no, I, mean, I don't mind watching highlights I'd no. be interested in how that went, I didn't find out Well I think it was rubbish, why, why, why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you use this thing called the internet as uh, on its own? That's that's the issue. You, there was no TV coverage at all, and that's just madness. Yes, well, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I mean, it, it was some kind of experiment, to, I guess, to see if it was only played on. No, uh, it got. It was because the, the original company, as I understand it, this is a massive tangent. Mm. The original company that was going to air it would be Satanta. Yeah. Went out of business. Yes. yes. And all the others said, well, we're not picking it up. It was this kind of attitude of, well, if you wanted to go with them, then, you know, stuff you. We're not going to pick it up now. Right, okay. So the only people that were willing to was somebody that was going to broadcast it over the internet. Now, well, that makes more sense now. So, yes, fair enough. So poor customer service, dragging it back to the topic. Um, not highlighting related products or otherwise upselling. And hiding the cost of delivery. Are the, the ones that I liked the most, although there are 15, and they are all very good. Have to barriers say. to buying is always my one. You barriers need, to buying? Well, barriers to... I just want to buy it. I, you know, well, I put my credit card details, and this is my address, send it to me, but I have to kind of fill in a form before I ha- I'm allowed to do that. Yes, That's they that need to know what your barrier. credit card number is before they can no, charge but you, I have and to they need to know your address as well. You know what I'm saying? It's not being awkward. Well, you have been awkward. <laughs> anyway, if you're designing or running an e-commerce site, then you really should check out this post. Um, you'll be surprised how many of those mistakes you're probably making. Mm. It's funny, even they kind of sneak in until you kind of step back and look at something like this. They, they do tend to be there. Anyway, uh, moving on. As I have said before, and I will say again, are you all listening? Forms are the most important feature on most websites. Most often, a site's call to action. I'm ignoring you, Marcus, now. You can make as many (laughs) miming gestures as you want, but I'm not taking any notice. Um, Most often, a site's call to action requires the completion of a form, which this goes on to what you were just saying about having to fill in forms. Yeah, yeah, you have to fill in a form about your inside leg measurement before you're actually allowed to buy anything. That annoys me. If you get the form wrong, you're going to frustrate users and potentially drive them away. Nobody likes filling in forms, as you've just said. Even forms, to be honest, that you know you've got to fill in. You don't, you don't go, oh, a form, a form, let me fill that in. Yippee. Yoo-hoo. Um, you know, whether it's a contact form, a site registration, or even a login form, I don't even like filling those in, especially when you check the remember me box and it doesn't. 
Yes. Well, we talked about that before, haven't we? Last week, in fact. Oh, I, you know, how predictable. <laughs> um, it's, it, you've got to get this right. It's got to be as painless as possible for the users. Um, and there's a list of part uh, posts I've only just got around to reading, which is called Inline Validation in Web Forms, which, let's face it, doesn't sound like the most exciting post ever, but provides some invaluable uh, best practice for dealing with forms. However, what I like about this is it's, just, it's not just somebody's opinion about best practice. Instead, this post is backed up with lots of valuable testing. Um, and the post takes a typical sign-up form and trials different forms of inline validation with real users. Um, they didn't just monitor the success and failure rate either. They looked at how many errors users made, how satisfied they were with the experience of filling in the form, how long it took them to complete um, the form. And they also even did some eye tracking and stuff like that, even though we know Marcus doesn't like eye tracking. No, I don't. It's pointless. Yes, I do. Although the results are not particularly surprising, it's nice to have some numbers to put against what we've always known to be true. So, for example, it was obvious that inline validation makes an enormous difference um, to both actual success, but also to perceived success. So just validating a form on the client side increases success rates by 22% and satisfaction by 31%. And those numbers are even higher when the user is given feedback as they complete each field. So it's a valuable post and definitely worth reading if you need some justification for investing in your forms. Right. And finally, we come on to something actually we were talking about just before the show, wouldn't it? Which is instant smoothies. Yes, I'll I'll read you a little correspondence at at the end of this. Okay, all right. So it's really funny, isn't it? I, I speak at a lot of conferences and you find yourself referring to the same examples of good and bad practice. So... You know, I seem to talk a lot about comparing Google and Yahoo and fawning over um, Apple's great UX design. And the same names keep coming up. And one of the names that I often reference is Innocent Smoothies. Um, If you don't know what Innocent Smoothies are, they are a company that produces smoothies, amongst other things. Yeah, food company, basically. Yeah, food and drinks. Um, And I absolutely love them. They just get the web. They get marketing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually lying, isn't it? Mm. I don't think it's marketing even. They get people, which is mm. subtly different from getting marketing, if that makes sense. They know how to communicate, and mm. they also know who they are themselves. Yep. Um, and they have a distinct voice that makes you warm to them and that carries you through um, their website. It might be worth... Read what you were going to read now, actually. I okay. think it's quite interesting, because... Was it your wife? It's, it's Caroline. She basically sent me this saying uh, there are other mad people like me on the planet. Not knowing, I've never spoken to her about Innocent Smoothies ever. Why did she write to Innocent Smoothies? Because they do their job so brilliantly. Right. This is what she, she sent. She just sent this to me just saying, look, aren't they funny? Uh, like uh, trying to, sh- to show me their response to her. Yeah. But the, the, what's interesting about this is we've talked about Innocent Smoothies many times in the past. I have never spoken to my wife about them ever. Right. And she sends this through this morning. This is what she sent back to them. Um, well, after a week long of healthy homemade lunches, I opted for a lazy bought lunch. But what a fantastic idea the veg pot is, as not only have I had a lazy lunch, but a healthy one. The best part of this is that I can now happily have fish and chips for tea. Well done. (laughs) The added bonus to this is that our local fish and chip shop is so busy on a Friday that sometimes it's necessary to wait, uh, which, of course, is best done in the local pub. (laughs) Yours truly, Caroline Lillington. Now, what's quite interesting even about that 
is you would have, she would have never written to IBM like that. No. Or yeah. to, to anybody else like that. Something about the way it I imagine presents what I'm guessing, because, I mean, you know, she doesn't write and comment on everything she eats. No. Or, or anything like that. It's quite... I suspect that because the veg pots that they're doing are a new thing, that they've made a a deal of it. Please send us an email. Yeah. I bet it says it on somewhere. Let us know. Find out. Find out from her and then talk about it next week. And this is their response on Monday after Friday. That's a quick response Mm. then. Hello, Caroline. Thanks for getting in touch. Without, Without sounding too full of ourselves, we're rather proud of our veg pots too. But the only opinion that really counts is that of people like yourself. So it's great to know that you've been enjoying them so much. I'm going to forward your email on to the lovely ladies in our product team who make them. Sorry, I'm not reading this properly. As I know, they're really keen to hear uh, what people think. You'll no doubt have put a big smile on their faces as well. So good on you. In fact, hell with it. Take a bow, Caroline. You rule. Stay funky, monkey. <laughs> and don't park on the double yellows. The paint burns your tyres. This might not actually be true. That's a really surreal <laughs> bit to just shove on the end, but but that's what makes yeah. it work. Yeah, and I th- and she's but I, it's just fairly odd that she decided to send it to me. It's like and that she was writing to him in the first place. But there you go. So yeah, yeah. so it I think, works is the point. Yeah, there's something about innocent smoothies where they really get it. And actually, Anna Anna Debenham. Yeah. Um, I, I know Anna. Yeah, yeah I, I just, know that's her surname. Yes, was that, <laughs> you might have thought I was referring to another Anna. And anyway, I was mentioning the surname for all the dear listeners, yes. so they can Google Anna Debenham and find out what a cool person she is. She is a cool person. Um, she's written a really good case study on innocent smoothies, which is in the show notes anyway, so they wouldn't need to Google her name and they wouldn't have needed to know it because they could have just but, gone to buyworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash get on with it seven. <laughs> I was just mentioning the show notes URL. Is uh, that wrong? No, that's okay. Do you want to do it again? No. Because I talked all over it. No, it's okay. I'm sure they'll work it out from the fact that we said it was episode 187 beforehand. And I like all you the need new to mics do is go to baragworld.com forward slash podcast forward slash the number, which talk- was 187. I nearly talked all over it again. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. just admiring our new mic stands and our huge pop shields. They, they scare me. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Uh, innocent smoothies. Yes, Anna says. Anna, Anna, yeah, Anna's written, and she's looked at what, why they're successful, um, and in particular, she's looked at their blog and their mailing list. Anna starts her post by saying this: "A lot of the clients I work with um, uh, have just set up a web presence for their company and think that it would be a good idea to start a mailing list and a blog. Um, everyone is doing it, so why shouldn't they?" The problem is so few companies get it right and very few people will bother to read them, which Mm. is really true. And even with Innocent, you think, why why would people sign up for a mailing list or read a blog for a company that produces food? Because you wouldn't sign up for a Heinz blog. No. And this is exactly what she looks at. She gives six reasons. Okay. She says um, they show the real people behind the business. So they all highlight the different people involved. They make their copy fun, as mm-hmm. is obvious from that email that um, you just read out. They don't just talk about their products, which yep. is really cool. Um, they're generous. They provide useful information. Do you think they're generous enough to send us lots of free stuff? I bet, I bet, <laughs> if we wrote to them, they would sponsor the show. I'm not going to, because I don't think it's really worth it. But that's the kind of, for them, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the kind of, you know, thing that they'd do. Mm. I was thinking free food, actually, but hey, carry on. Free food's good too, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
so they make their uh, they, yeah blah blah, blah 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 and they also make good use of imagery that was the other thing that Anna mm-hmm. talked about the post the post is packed with some great examples of all of this so check it out um, you know there there is a lot to be learned here especially if you're a corporate blogger or to be honest have to communicate in any way with your users which is everybody basically mm. so there we go that's a very long new segment made even longer by Marcus's constant interruption Bulldog.com. So I was a bit unsure about this feature. I don't know how well it's going to go down. It's, it had a blog post that's gone with it, and it got picked up on Smashy Magazine as well. But it's a it's a difficult one because it's it's about or it's entitled Jedi Mind Tricks: How to Persuade Your Users, Boss, and Client. So it's about coercion. Well, no, not it's really. It's about tricking people. No, it's not about tricking people. Don't, it's about getting no. your own way. I'm trying to be open and honest <laughs> and, and talk it through. And all you're doing is tearing me down. Be nice. You set yourself up there, do you think, though, didn't do you? Do you think that our relationship, if you watch or listen to all of the episodes back to back, which some people do, do you think you see a deterioration in our relationship? <laughs> I think it's probably problems. the exact opposite. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it was like it, this was really an examination of myself and the and the kind of strange job that I have in the world of web design. That I'm part salesman, part consultant, part user experience designer. You know, and one day I could be pitching a new idea to a board of directors, and the next I could be designing an e-commerce purchase process. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I looked at it, there was one common theme, which is I spend a lot of my time trying to persuade people to do stuff. Right, whether it's by our services, yes, or Man- manipulation, we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, we? well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> it's not. It's not really that because that implies you're using dodgy sales <laughs> techniques, and but there is a part of that. Well, we'll I'll get on to why, mm. but. So I was trying to decide, is this actually just of interest to me or is it interest to other people as well? But I really kind of feel that as web designers, we often need to nudge people in the direction we want them to go. And so it's a vital skill that I think really we all kind of need to have to some degree. So it I is. It was it's worth called being about. human. It's uh, yeah. you're trying to get your way. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a nasty but, thing. But should that be on a web design podcast? That's the question. That's what I wasn't sure. This is about. psychology, and more people are interested in that than web design. So, <laughs> it's true. let's just change it to a psychology podcast. No, but then. that is true. But it does. I mean, it is a big part of us because we all have to deal with bosses. We all have to deal with clients, and we all have to deal with users. And I think psychology is a massive part. Of, of user interaction and, and, you know, the user experience. So I do think, you know, it's, it's, it is important. So I'm going to Well, I've just noticed the top of this page, the first sentence, I am not talking about manipulation. And I'm not. <laughs> See, I don't believe in underhanded techniques and I certainly don't believe in lying. Um, however, there are ways of presenting. Oh, yes, you do. I do not. Yes, you do. No, I'm, me- I'm just playing the pantomime game. Oh, oh you. <laughs> um, However, I do believe that there are kind of certain ways of presenting yourself and your argument in a way that other people are more receptive to. That's what it's about. It's about presenting your argument in or, or what you want someone to do in a way that will be convincing to them. Uh, yeah, um, everything you're saying I could lay into, so I'm not going to. Carry on. Are you <laughs> saying you don't do this in any way then? Of course I do it. Yeah. We all do it. Every human being on the planet does it. But... Well, it's not a bad thing then, is it? 
I don't know. It would, it's so there easy a, to pick on. There is a, yeah, there is, which is why I was hesitant about yeah. writing this. It's part of the thing, you know, yeah. if my client, your clients listen to this, what are they, how are they going to respond to this? I don't know. But uh, let's go through the yeah. reasons, because I don't think it's, it sounds worse than it actually is. The techniques I actually use, um, and I've kind of, I do a lot of this subconsciously, and I've kind of had to think it through to mm. understand what, why I do what I do. Um, I, I don't think they sound too bad when you actually get to them rather than talking about them in advance. Right. I think, for example, the first and most important thing you have to do is empathize with people. The worst thing you can do, I think, is go into a meeting or begin designing a user interface with a personal agenda. And that's why I don't think it's manipulation, right? Because you're not going, I don't think I go in, I do sometimes go in with a, something I want to achieve. But I, if there is a goal, I think if you go in and push a particular goal um, and that you're, you're pressuring the other party, whether that be a user, a boss or a client, into agreeing with that predefined goal that you've got, they're going to resist. However, if you seek to understand their needs and respond to those, then they're more likely to be cooperative, right? So let's look at kind of how you do that and how that works out in practice. I think the important thing is you need to start by listening and you must really listen. What they, the pretentious word is active listening, isn't it? I don't know. It's arsey. <laughs> yeah. But you really need to do, uh, do listen. Um, it's not enough to pay lip service um, to the idea of listening. Um, you need to hear what people have got to say and then really look for those points of pain where your idea might be able to help. So I think a lot, a lot of the time we just go, um, we, we kind of go in heavy handed and we go, this is what I want to achieve. Well, if you go in and actually listen to what people, I and mean, this is what stakeholder interviews are fundamentally, mm. yeah. you go in and you listen to what people's problems are and their pain points. And then you try to address those with the solution that you've got right yes sometimes the solution will address those pain points sometimes the solution will need adapting in order to address those pain points right even with a with a website as well you know it's the whole thing about user-centric design you establish what it is that a user wants to achieve what their pain points are what it is that you know they struggle with and then you make sure that whatever you provide achieves that for them yep so the other thing is you need to also tailor the way you communicate your agenda. So the idea is to tailor the pre- presentation of your idea so that it can be seen by the other party as being beneficial to them rather than forcing them to reluctantly agree. So this often involves some creative thinking. Um, and, but most of all, really, you really need to understand what their needs are. Um, and I think the big part of it is you really need to show the other party the benefits that you can offer them. So remember, it's not enough to explain how an idea will help you or even other people. So if you're going to your client, for example, uh, often cl- uh, web designers get really annoyed because, yes, we've got to do user-centric design, right? And they go to their client and they talk about user-centric design. Well, the client doesn't give a shit about user-centric <laughs> design. They care about communicating their message <laughs> or you know users completing their call to action or uh, or whatever you know making a purchase so they don't care about users needs they care about their own needs so what you need to do is communicate that by meeting users needs you help them achieve their own needs does that make sense yes 
Um, so you have to demonstrate how, it, how what you're offering is going to help the person you're speaking to. For example, do not say to your clients, users are going to love this new feature. Instead, say this new feature will help users come uh, or keep users coming back. And that will dramatically improve the number of leads you receive. All right. Mm hmm. So um, once you understand uh, the other party and you, you are thinking about their needs, the next step then is to form some kind of relationship. So after you empathize, the next thing you've got to do is be personal. If you're going to have a good relationship with your users, boss or client, um, they're most likely, sorry, if, sorry, let me start that again. If you've got a good relationship with your users, your boss or your client, they're more likely to follow your suggestions. So obviously, the kind of relationship you build depends on who the other party is. Your relationship with website users is going to be different from your relationship with your boss. However, there are certain approaches that you should always consider. First of all, get them nodding. Marcus is nodding in a comical way. You look like the, the Churchill dog. Um, it's a silly thing, but when I go to pitches, I try to get people nodding, Right. If they start nodding... It's Paul just keeps nodding until they do it back. <laughs> <laughs> I do not do it like that. If they start nodding, it's a good sign. But more than that, it puts them in a positive uh, frame of mind. So I normally achieve this by repeating back to them in different language <laughs> um, a point that they themselves French, have Spanish. already made themselves. <laughs> Swedish, yes. Um, this uh, is, sorry. <laughs> This is obviously, if it's something they've already said, it's obviously something they can agree with. And it also demonstrates that I was listening to them and are on their same way, the same wavelength as them. And the same approach can be used online. So, for example, if I'm writing a post aimed at web designers, I know that if I break IE6 and go on about how hard it is fixing bugs, everybody that's reading my post is going to nod in agreement, Right. So I succeeded in making a connection. That person then goes, yeah, this is the kind of person I can relate to. In the same way as Innocent Smoothies responded in kind to Caroline and Caroline responded in kind to Innocent Smoothies. Yeah. They, they made a connection by, you know, in that kind of way. Being enthusiastic, I think, is also a, a really important thing about being personal. Enthusiasm is such an important tool Clients want to know that you care about their project and bosses want to know that you're motivated to work and users want to know that you care about the service you're providing. Again, Innocent Smoothies is a great example. Re, you know, wind back, listen to Marcus reading that email from them. It was all about how much they're excited about their product and about how the product team's going to be really pleased that got this positive feedback. There's a lot of excitement in that email. It's true. Um, however, so often people lack enthusiasm when communicating their message. They come across as defeated before they start or overly aggressive. So, and web designers are like this. They often go, they often either are like, oh, I'm never going to get this past anybody. So I just don't care. I'll give the client whatever they want. Or they're, no, you must do it this way. There's yeah. no enthusiasm or passion. A better approach is to go in. Uh, with overwhelming enthusiasm people get caught up in enthusiasm it's infectious and that's how to be honest that's how i sell isn't it i always find the thing in the project that really excites me and then i go in full of uh, enthusiasm and excitement and it oozes from every pore how you know it's very hard for someone to say no to somebody that exudes enthusiasm and excitement it would be like kicking a puppy yeah I, I think that's, that. an, that's an excellent analogy. Saying no to me is it like, is kicking, like kicking, kicking a puppy. Yeah. 
Definitely. <laughs> Killing kittens. Killing kittens. <laughs> um, the other thing. So I'll... there you go. I've, that, I've worked out how you do it now. So he's miserable outside the door. And then <laughs> walk in the door. Ding, Mister Enthusiastic. I'm joking, Paul. Do you see? It's like that. Is that going to make people cynical about me? <laughs> it's not true. You are truly an enthusiastic person. I, I get enthusiastic. You have to be. We're on a hundred episode. One hundred eighty-seven. <laughs> Marcus is now <laughs> burying his face in his hands <laughs> in despair. Yeah, um, yeah, we were talking about being personable, weren't we? Yes. Um, the other thing is mirroring. Now, you've all heard about mirroring somebody's body language to ha- help establish a positive connection. Whatever you do, do not do this. <laughs> <laughs> if it's done as a conscious action, it just comes across as creepy. Have you ever had anyone do it to you? No. It's so creepy. If it happens naturally, then it's fine. So yeah. don't worry about it. It'll either happen or it won't. Yeah. That said, it is a useful indication of whether a face-to-face meeting is going well. If the other party is mirroring your body language, and chances are they like you. But don't force it. What's more interesting to me is mirroring people's language. Try and use the same terminology as another party. So if your boss or your client is talking about return on investment or success criteria, ensure that's the way you respond back. Equally, if a user is not familiar with certain language, make sure you avoid it. That's the way you really kind of associate with people. Um, The way we speak associates us with a certain tribe. Um, If we have the same language, we're more likely to build a rapport with someone. So really be aware of the language you use. And then finally, make them smile. Um, I use this trick, and this one is a trick, all the time when building relationships. Um, and I interject humour into the proceedings. Again, innocent smoothie. Do it all the you time. Know, that last line about don't park on double yellow lines. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, it's an, it makes you smile. It's it does. surreal and it's stupid and it catches you off guard and it make you, makes you smile, doesn't it? I mean, and, you know, many, many people will say start a presentation with a joke. Yeah. And if you get people laughing, if it's a good joke and you deliver it well... I never go for... I don't believe... He says, in, shaking his head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about canned jokes like that. I'll often make a quip, which isn't a joke. If that, do you know yeah. what? Say something usually funny. It's, usually it's being rude to you. Yeah. Usually it's something along the lines of, oh, we'll all just sit here while you set up the projector then, shall we? No, I'm, I'm, I suppose know, I meant like more of a sort of conference style thing. You know, you've got 100 people in the right. audience. Oh, okay, not, yeah. a, not a pit situation. But again, I don't mean, you know, there's three blokes walked into a bar kind of no. joke. But say something funny, you know, Off breaks the, the ice. Yeah, I would always start a, yeah. a talk with that. So, so. Um, right. So, I mean, basically, if you can make the other party smile, you've gone a long way to breaking down any barriers that yeah. might exist. So it is an incredibly useful tool. Um, however, let's you know, put the caveat. You need to do this with some care. Overdo it and you look like a fool. Yeah. I think I walk that line. <laughs> very, <laughs> very uh, well, I kind of wander either side of that line, I think. Um, however, even the most miserable looking board of directors are human beings and like to smile. Um, although all of these approaches are great for building relationships, there's one that trumps all and that's openness. So you may be reading this and uh, thinking, is this guy mad? We're not reading it, listening mm-hmm. to it. See, that's what happens when you're reading off of that <laughs> post. You might be listening to me and thinking, am I mad? Um, what if my clients read this stuff? Won't they feel manipulated? And I think my answer is no. And Not I, if you're genuine. Trust me, I've put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> um, I'm being open and honest about what I do. 
Um, and I would be entirely happy for one of my clients to read this or listen to this um, because there's nothing manipulative or hidden here. Um, people hate being deceived. And so if anything, the honesty of this article um, is going to build my relationships with people and not undermine it. So I believe there are two key components to building open relationships that lead um, to a receptive audience. The first one is what I call disarming honesty. Many times the best approach um, is to diffuse potential conflict with disarming honesty. So, for example, I regularly acknowledge in sales situations that I'm here to sell and that you should take everything I say with a pinch of salt. And you always end every presentation like that. Mm. You always end by saying something along the lines of can't believe what we say to talk to our clients. Yes. Um, so uh yes we're a pair of right manipulating bastards so don't listen to a word we're saying (laughs) and the client obviously knows this. would you like some snake oil while i'm at it (laughs) yeah please make mike mcconnell not listen to this um he's one of one of our clients that calls me what's he called me snake Snake oil snake oil yeah (laughs) bastard Um, but in a sales situation, a client already knows that you're there to sell. You're not telling them anything new. However, admitting it verbally is, is the kind of honesty that people rarely encounter and I think respond well to. And where, when designing a website, it's important to be upfront with your users too. So, for example, if you're asking somebody's telephone number on the website, do them the courtesy of admitting that you're going to use it to contact them. You know, because people, I've, I've been on websites where they've made up all kinds of bullshit about why they need your telephone number, where basically it means you want to pick up the phone and you want to talk to them for whatever reason. So just be upfront about it. Yep. Um, the other thing that I think is really important in an open relationship um, is a willingness to show weakness. We can sometimes be so desperate to make our point that we're unwilling to admit even the slightest weakness in our argument. However, ultimately, I think that comes across as pig-headed and inflexible. People respond well when you admit that you are wrong or if you're unsure of the answer to something. Um, Be willing to say, I don't know or I've messed up, if appropriate. So people will really respect you for it. So one of the best examples of this is Flickr's blog post, Sometimes We Suck, in which they apologise for the performance problems they experienced in their early days. By taking this approach, they demonstrated their integrity and uh, completely diffused the argument of, um, you know, of those that were complaining. Mm-hmm. Of course, being willing to show weakness can take a lot of confidence. And that is a trait that I think is desperately needed when trying to convince other people. So we'll end with being confident. Nice segue there. I know. Um, in fact, we don't end with that. So it was a bad <laughs> segue. There's one more bit afterwards. <laughs> Um, So as humans, we're drawn to confident people. Um, We follow those that have a clear vision and who walk that path with confidence. It's therefore important to communicate your message with confidence and authority. Establish yourself as an expert and talk with authority. People will respond to this. However, confidence is not the same thing as arrogance. Being confident also involves having the confidence to admit when you're wrong. A truly confident leader does not claim to have all the answers all the time. Conceding points and being willing to allow others to express their views is a key component of confidence. And I think this is really important on websites as well. So many websites, you know, having the confidence not to pre-check user feedback before Mm. posting it on the site that's a perfect example of confidence having confidence to post negative comments about yourself and to not rush to defend yourself the minute somebody says something negative Mm. um 
the tr- basically having a lack of confidence um you know it can often come out in, in um being afraid of those that oppose you and and afraid to let them express their opinions it has to be said also with confidence is about picking your battles it's okay to concede some points some points to achieve your greater aim it does not undermine your position to give some ground sometimes you need to play a submissive role to get people on board don't allow your ego to get in the way if you uh, if it makes somebody feel good that they've won an argument um, then they're more likely to be conciliatory um, when you suggest an alternative so some degree of compromise is always okay um, it's certainly better than being negative um, about things um, so a good example of that would be um, with customer support. So um, recently we had um, somebody write to us um, with get sign off saying, I cancelled my account and I've been charged. And actually it, it, it wasn't our fault. It was, it, well, I won't go into the details, but we gave him a discount anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not worth making the argument. You know, it, it's better PR, better way of approaching things to kind of, um, you know, not always need to win every battle. But this thing of negativity um, is an interesting one. And that brings me on to what is really my final point, which is about being positive. So whether you're dealing with a boss or a difficult client or a user, you need to impress them with your attitude and service, right? So you always need to remain helpful and keen to leave a positive impression. Sometimes that will involve, like in the example that I've just given, um, involve going the extra mile in terms of customer service. Other times, it means finding some positive aspect in your boss's latest mad scheme. (laughs) Um, Whatever the situation, the worst thing that can happen is you get a reputation of being someone that's unhelpful and negative. So you've probably gathered that the title of this, this whole Jedi mind tricks, is a little bit misleading. There are no Jedi mind tricks here. At the end of the day, the secret... There are no Jedi mind tricks. (laughs) Full stop. There are no Jedi. No, that's true. (laughs) I see what you mean. Um, At the end of the day, the secret to persuading others is to show them respect, listen to their opinion, and seek ways of presenting your vision in a language they can understand and that benefits them. And I don't think that's manipulation. Or have I just been so manipulating in the way that I've presented this? that I've made it sound like I'm not manipulating. Um, human beings spend all of their time manipulating each other. Um, You're a cynic. No, it's true. And that's not necessarily in a kind of bad way. We just do. It's just, that's that's interacting. Sometimes we're, it's not manipulating, manipulating each other. And sometimes it's very little tiny bits of manipulation that's going on. But the point is, Generally speaking, I mean, you talk about being open and honest and being positive and enthusiastic. They're all very cool things. Um, and if you do that, you're more likely to go through through life getting the things that you want. Now, if, if you're that, it's particularly the stuff about being open and honest. Yeah. Um, and that's an important message. Mm. I think I think a lot of people get that anyway. Uh, and I think what you're underlining is just the way that we kind of go about... We take... We take on board the way we are as people and the way we like to live our lives outside work into work. Yeah. And we think that's a good thing. We, I'm probably the innocent smooth. These people are the same. Uh, and it's, it's this openness. I think that that is the, the key here that makes us different. I think that's why it's not manipulation, Mike. Mm. 
because um, manipulation is um, control and, you know, if you look at the, I've just brought up the dictionary definition and it's sleight of hand and it's deceptive. Okay. So yeah. I wouldn't say that's manipulative. Yeah, all right. And then we're just on to semantics then. We it's, are on it's semantics. It's just about getting, you know, this is what I'd Whenever like you to. quote the dictionary at someone, it's semantics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's also pedantic. Uh, um, <laughs> Semantic pedantic. Yes. I've lost what I was on about. But yeah. yeah it, 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 it's just about um, getting your own way sounds similar. It's, you know, we all have... Stuff that we'd like, okay. like to do. I think it's okay to get your own way where you're benefiting the other party as well. Mm-hmm. And whether you're dealing with a boss, a user, or a client, I think, you know, if ultimately what you're trying to achieve is going to benefit that those groups, then that's perfectly legitimate. Because mm. people don't always realise that you're trying to benefit them. Yeah. Um, you know, when we go into pitches and we pitch for work, I sincerely and honestly believe that we can do a really good job for people. And admittedly, I don't know who the other people pitching are, so I don't know whether there's somebody potentially better than us, mm. but I know we're damn good at what we do. And, that, that you know, so I feel justified in trying to persuade the person to agree with my point of view because I think I'm right and I think they will be happy at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. There is a a moral area here, um, but I I think it is an important skill, and I think it's one that freelancers in particular need, um, but in-house designers need it, and anybody that's dealing with users online definitely needs it. So there we go. That that wraps up the feature for today. So um, as you know, Marcus, we're we're collecting... um, popular topics to talk about on the show we yes. mentioned that last week didn't yes. we um and one that, that we've received and that got a lot of votes um is this idea of masking your email address so that harvesters can't um sorry spammers can't harvest it yeah. right you know so you've seen all the the tricks where um you know people use I'd miss spam though if i didn't get any would you you read it all, do you? <laughs> I mean, well, mail just kind of... I, I reckon I probably get... I think if you've got a decent email client, which I use mail now, I've gone from Outlook. Outlook and, you go, and you go through Google Go Yes, well. it's, it's Google. It's just like I might get three or four a day. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. And they make me giggle if it's only that. Yeah, know. exactly. So, I so mean, it's it, not a problem. Well, Move exa- on. Yeah, <laughs> but that's almost what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. I haven't read it. Um, no. You know, I think it seems to be every, something that all these designers and website owners worry about. However, there isn't really a good solution. And in my opinion, um, you just need to put your email out there and deal with it. Because it's not that big. I don't think it's that big a problem. You know, there are some possible solutions. Um, but in my opinion, none of them are acceptable. So they either require the user to be running JavaScript, which creates an accessibility problem, or it places an extra burden on the user. You know, you have to say, you know, really I'm, a, I'm a real human being or whatever. I, I, yes, but, you know, when you're trying to go for, it's the ticket sites. When you're trying to get tickets that came out 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And every time you you have to... Uh, apply to try and get the tickets you have to type in some little code in, yeah. in curvy bendy yeah. letters and it, is it a capital or isn't yeah. it? And it and it does matter and you get it wrong and actually all you're trying to do is just keep banging the refresh button and you want to get yeah. in there so it drives me up the wall those yeah so I mean basically I don't think the user should have to deal with the problem of spam you're mm. just shifting by using these techniques you're just shifting the problem onto the user mm. it should be you that deals with it um, 
you know, giving the, the uh, user the ability to contact you is a fundamental part of all, almost all websites. Mm. And you can't afford to make it hard for them to do. Um, however, I think there are two ways to minimize the impact. First, um, you could choose not to publish your email address, but instead have a contact us form. Um, and although spammers can spam these too, it's harder. Um, and there are ways to minimize spam um, without putting an added burden on the user. However, if you use a contact form, you know, you also, I think, need to do things like send a copy of the email that's sent to the user for their own records, because that's what I hate about filling in contact mm. forms. I never have a copy of it. Second, and I think is my preference approach, really, is to fall back on good spam filters, as we just you were talking about at the beginning. Mm. Using a site-specific email address can also help. Um, because you can make sure that that's guarded by good quality spam filters. So personally, as we've already said, I use Google Mail spam filters because I think they're particularly good, but I also route my email through a couple of different things. Mm. It goes from Google Mail over to AppleMe.com. So it goes through two lots of spam filters, Mm. and then the built-in one in Mail itself. I never get spam, really, or very little. Yeah, ditto. Um. So I, I think you ought to consider doing that really than start doing clever stuff with email masking. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if a spammer is de- uh, de- determined to spam you, there's very little you can do to stop them. Um, and unfortunately, that's part of the price of being online. So get and over sometimes yourself. Sometimes they're really funny. It's <laughs> some of the funniest mail you'll get, you get is some of the spam. I, I never read it. it we it's, never see any of it. It's just, you'll get the odd title. I can't, I, sadly, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I'll, well, well, I'll send them to people. Look at this. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, that, do you know, if I was going to do spam, I think that would be the way I'd go. I'd do yeah, viral exactly. spam. Viral spam. Make it funny. Yeah. And people will, will, will want to send it on. Yeah, definitely. Talking of funny... And I mean, not being funny, your yeah, joke. Which is it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a toss-up every week. Is there another one from Drew? No, this is from John. John. We're relying Thank on you, John. John. <sighs> okay, then. Although I do Deep think that oftentimes it's the delivery rather than the... Of course it is. Yeah. Yes. I don't claim to be good at telling jokes. <laughs> what? How did we ever get into doing this? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. That's years ago. If any of you know how we started doing jokes at the end of the show, please let us know because... Then we might have a reason to stop it. If I could be bothered, I would get friends of mine who are good at telling jokes. Like to record th- them. I think about two or three to record some, but yeah. that's just far also, too much. If like, anybody is an amateur or professional comedian, record some jokes for us. Oh, we'll God, yeah. Don't send them to me, record them yeah. and we'll play them. That's genius. Yeah, in fact, anybody could do that. Mm. Just record a joke as an MP3 file and send it in. Yes. Genius. If we do what we're planning to do, in a few weeks' time when we're taking three days off and we're all doing something together. <laughs> yes. They'll be able to do that. Mm. Secret. Bar. Should we tell them? What if it's crap? What if it all goes <laughs> wrong? <laughs> no, let's leave them stringing on. We might uh, tell you next week. Yeah, because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to tell a joke now. Go on then. A couple went to the hospital to have their baby delivered. Mm-hmm. Upon their arrival, the doctor said that the hospital was testing an amazing new high-tech machine that would transfer a portion of the mother's labour pain to the baby's father. He, he, <laughs> asked, like joke he asked if they were interested. Both said that they were very much in favour of it. The doctor set the pain transfer to 10% for starters, explaining that even 10% was probably more pain than the father had ever experienced before. But as the labour progressed, the husband felt fine and asked the doctor to go ahead and kick it up a notch. 
The doctor then adjusted the machine to 20% pain transfer. The husband was still feeling fine. The doctor then checked the husband's blood pressure and was amazed at how well he was doing. At this point, they decided to try 50%. The husband continued to feel quite well. Since, since the pain, train pa- train pain transfer was obviously helping the wife considerably, the husband encouraged the doctor to transfer all the pain to him. The wife delivered a healthy baby with virtually no pain, and the husband had experienced none. She and her husband were ecstatic. When they got home, they found the postman dead on the porch. (laughs) 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 So there you go. Good one, huh? That is quite good. I like that one. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to this week's show. And uh, we will talk to you with Clear Left, hopefully, if Andy Bud decides to come next Next week. week. (laughs) Bye. Hello, world of Boaz. It's like being on David Letterman. Boag world, Boag world.